Hello again and welcome to episode 18 of Writer's Block Podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Havlin, writer for The Daily Show with John Olive, um, I mean, uh, John Stewart. Whoops. In the event you don't already know why you're listening to this podcast instead of paying attention to whatever else it is you're doing right now, I, J.R. Havlin, veteran television comedy writer, interview other veteran television comedy writers to find out how they got where they are, how they do what they do, and how the specific shows they work on go from a blank page to a final draft. If you're a regular listener, thanks for coming back. And if you're new to the podcast, thanks for tuning in. And may I suggest you check out some of the earlier episodes. More on that later. They're all amazing, except for one of them. It knows which one it is. But new listener or not, please, please, please let me know what you think. At Writer's Block Pod on Twitter. That's B-L-O-C, no K. And writersblockpodcast at gmail.com. I'll get back to you so fast you'll think I'm sitting right behind you. And maybe I am. Freaky, right? My guest is my friend Rob Kuttner, a writer for Conan on TBS. Rob started off as a writer's assistant at Dennis Miller Live and in a classic upward move became a writer at that show. Then he came to The Daily Show for a six-year stint before heading out west to L.A., where a family man can provide his kids with something they don't get much in New York City, their own bedroom and a yard to play in. Ah, ah, quality of life, you are a cruel temptress. We talk about transitioning between writing for otherwise similarly styled shows that have almost completely different points of view and daily processes. Rob shares the different pressures of coming up with sketch ideas as opposed to writing monologue jokes. We discuss success and rejection. How do you stay focused when you're not getting any material on? And how do you stay grounded when you find yourself on a roll? Rob also gives us a bit of the behind the scenes ups and downs of when the staff at Conan's Tonight Show found out Jay Leno was, uh, I'm going to say unretiring. What was that like for Conan's writers and for the rest of the staff? You're about to find out. You're also about to find out that Rob beats me to just about every punchline I can think of, something he's had a long-running history of doing. But I don't mind, because I love to share. It's what I do. I'd tell you more, but you didn't tune in to listen to me run off at the mouth. Or, uh, uh, let's just get to it. You're part of the writer's block now. Good choice. saying that aren't you the, the same. oh no here comes the picture now these are your kids right as far as you know I uh, baby such a little baby so how are yours um my children oh they're uh, they're great one and three yeah that's their names <laughs> <laughs> I've done that joke on stage a few times it works right. every time because right. they don't expect it right yeah they think I'm talking about something else you don't have to spell though Oh, well, I'm just, it's, you know, from trying to... Save it for the kid. podcast. Save that wisdom for the... We're, that's, we're rolling. <laughs> I'm here with, uh, welcome to the Writer's Block, Rob Kuttner. Hello. Oh, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> Not the, to be trifled got, with. Got the ground rules down. <laughs> uh, Rob Kuttner, writer for um, Conan, uh, Conan O'Brien. Um, what is the full name of the show? It's actually 16 words long. Yeah. It's in Gaelic. No, it's just Conan, actually. It's just, one it's just word. Conan. That's yeah. it. so it's no longer any kind of... Like, he doesn't have any late this or... or, or I think super. he figured that people would just refer to the press anyway. They say Conan, Fallon, yeah. and Winnie. Might as well just, like, go right. with what the term is. Just Conan. And, uh, it saves a lot um, of money in ink. 
And formerly of the uh, um, of the of the Daily Show, uh, you were there for how long? Six and a half years. Six and a half years. Your how, life. how many of those years as my office mate? The whole time, right? Was it the whole time? Yeah, yeah. And we uh, um, and our office was also the Cart office. <laughs> Cart Central. Cart Central. Super, <laughs> Super Mario Kart on. Uh, Super Mario Kart PlayStation. on no Nintendo. No, Nintendo. Yeah. It's like Nintendo sixty four. Yeah. I, I think it was either. I think it was Nintendo sixty three. It was. It, some ran, old it ran with shit. a punch card, and a <laughs> vacuum tube. <laughs> That's right. We had to run an air conditioner at the same time, mm-hmm. and the thing it threatened to blow. Right. Uh, but we would get these epic. This was, uh, you know, it's hard to remember a time when that was possible to do. Yeah. But uh, but there was a time when we would pretty routinely get together. Like so, there there were several there, periods there, in the there day. There was a pretty core group of guys yeah. where we had four guys would play some serious Mario Kart and really get into it and I would yell and scream. We had trophies oh, made for the We had trophies. Prizes. I have one of them. I yeah. have a flower cup. I do too. No, you don't have the flower no, cup. Didn't, no, I took a different cup. Yeah. That was a nice thing about I the took, trophies. I took perfect attendance cup. <laughs> <laughs> Participant. <laughs> Everybody gets a cup. Yeah. Um, so six and, five and a half, six and a half years there. Was that your first job? No, my first job was at Dennis Miller Live on HBO. Okay. And um, I started out as a writer's assistant there. And then um, I was there for two seasons. And that was a show that sort of groomed. Classic. The the, the yeah. writer's assistant to writer is not quite the long path, but it's sort of the mail sort of room to the boardroom kind of thing when it comes to comedy writing. It can be. It's, every show is different, but like some have a receptive policy towards letting the writer do a script, the sitcom, or pitch jokes if it's a show like one of ours right but this show was very open to it so I pitched a lot and I got better at it and then they had an opening and so that was my, my first break so then, but then did, did you still have to submit and stuff uh, yeah of course no, yeah. So, I, so I worked in Dennis Miller for one year and then um, that was its last year I meant did you have to submit to the Dennis Miller show to like, no I mean I, in effect he'd seen my work and no one was mine enough that I didn't have to make a special packet of it so when the opening came they just said hey writer's assistant you're going to be a writer now yeah nice and did they, they know that your name, name at that point? No. Dennis actually didn't. Uh, Dennis uh, would always call me new guy, even after like many newer people came in. Nice. Third newest guy. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, at least he didn't call you Chachi. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's only for family. Oh, really? Um, he, he, was, he was a good guy. I know some people don't like his politics now, but he gave me my first break, and then he... he um, you never forget your first break. Never forgive me. <laughs> and then he actually, um, when he took... He had a show on CNBC after that one... He actually like demanded they be uh, WGA union shop, and they could you know they could have tried to shortchange everyone. He like sort of stood up for his writers, and he was always very supportive of us. And you know he's been very helpful to me when I've reached out to him since then. So oh yeah, you know. And then uh, did that show shut down, and then you came looking for the Daily Show? Yeah, or? that was like t- early two thousands. And then I knew a guy over there who had worked on the Onion with Ben Carlin, who was uh-huh. the uh, head writer or, or EP at the time. Right. And uh, John Bynes was leaving, so they had an opening. And uh, so John Bynes, episode three or four. That's a good episode if you want to listen to Bynes yeah. talk for a while. I like how there's hyperlinks to other. Yeah, yeah, oh, that yeah. definitely. Yeah, you never get to get all the way through it. So there's an opening, and, and Rich knew about it through his friend Ben. Though Rich wasn't going to move to New York from L.A., which is where Dennis Miller was. Rich, Rich Dom, you know. Oh him? yeah, yeah. He well, runs the Colbert yeah, Report yeah, now, right, but. Yeah. At the time, we were, we were both staff writers in Dennis Miller, so okay. he, he recommended me, and then I did like, like two packets and met with him when they came out for the uh, the Emmys, and then, uh, then I got the job. What was the difference if 
you know, there must have been some in, in moving from Dennis Miller. Like, uh, uh, you're dealing with political stuff at Dennis Miller. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's the same sort of, it's the same tone a little mm. bit. Um, maybe some different politics. At that point, he was still not necessarily, like, too, too he was showing that really hard... The interesting thing is time. that he was sort of shifting his ideas yeah. during the three years that I was there on the show. So, first, the, the thing is, it was, an, it was an HBO show, so it went from January, January to August. Mm-hmm. Different schedule than, like, usually the and network it, shows. Right. So that, but that meant that we were off in the fall of 2000, and then we came back after that, and he'd sort of, like, that was the whole Bush-Gore divide so people like were suddenly in a camp he used to be pretty libertarian and very even handed uh-huh. so first season we were doing jokes that were pretty much pot shots at both Bush and Gore and then came back it was like not so many on the Bush or it was like they had to be really over the top silly jokes but nothing like with any bite and then this, the last year he came back it was after 9-11 that fall so he came back sort of more of a foreign policy hawk you know I mean he, he still has a lot of stuff to say that you can kind of like tone even line on but I think I think he and HBO were splitting up over it to some extent, and they were more, you know, left oriented. So, I mean, apart from that, just the like, the the writing of the show. This is the that's the first show that you that you're writing on, and uh, um, you were somewhat familiar with it because you were a writer's assistant. That you know how they went about their business. Yeah, um, and it, it was sort of set up to recognize like Dennis would when we did rehearsal. Dennis would be like a joke would ask who wrote that, and if it was mine, ever I got to say that, and that was like imagine a little point going on the board thing and then you know I got sort of this like dose of adrenaline and I would pitch stuff in the room when there was an impasse and and it started to you know be better stuff that he would use and he would see me doing that so right. I think it was like I was auditioning for two years so what when did you start at the Daily Show what year was that 2002 like end of 2002 okay. I started actually on it was the so we primary, were rolling along it was election night for a primary year 2002. That was your first night? My first night and like everyone was having to write like all these like state jokes or blue card jokes to like yeah. maybe but probably oh, yeah. was, like, those were fun kind of easy things. Who's got a Jersey joke? Well you your know? first your first yeah, show was the live election night show? Oh my god. Yeah. So. Well, and and your office office with you. I was yeah, doing well, my start papers. The, that, there's your bonus right there. Yeah they know how to they know how to break somebody in. I was filling out Put them in with Havlin if they come out keep them. <laughs> Two interns. <laughs> One goes in. A, a boy goes in. A writer man Fighting comes out. Comes out. <laughs> a scribbling boy goes in. A writer man comes out. A lady boy comes out for some reason. Yeah. And then Ablin comes out afterwards all weird and yeah. zipping up. It's in a strange. bathrobe. In a bathrobe with a, with a cigarette in a holder. <laughs> <laughs> so... So we were already well into like doing basically what we do, you know. Things changed. You were, you were pretty early into it. Like I think you started in two thousand, kind of. Yeah, he shifted. did, but but uh, um, but by the end of two thousand two, mm-hmm. you know, it was cooking. We, it was really cooking. Like, yeah. I came well, John that. started at the beginning of nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, but politically, it was like moving more in that. Yeah, but it was like in, in nineteen in in, in ni- for the first year, you go back and you can see those shows, and you can see what used to be the Daily Show. The, the whole format and the way we were writing stuff and the, and the content that we were using was not terribly different. Right, you know? right. Um, well, that, that was like one thing that, because it was a big deal for me to like contemplate a job in New York when I was married to someone in L.A. who was also in the business. Oh, that's right, because you moved out and Cheryl We were here, here, and Cheryl, Cheryl was, my wife is a writer-producer as well. She's worked at a bunch of different shows, so she's always looking for jobs. So And there's a lot fewer in New York. So we were sort of trying out for six months. I was going to see how it would work out, and I got a tiny apartment. Right. And then... It was in 2002, like you said, and it was like suddenly like a really hot year for the show. Like it was getting all kinds of attention. So it became an attractive option. But I, but what I was going to say was like I only considered moving to New York for it because it had a very like, even with the Kilbourne stuff, which was sillier, it had a very high level of quality. Like it was very consistent. 
like from night to night, like the level of jokes were good and consistent. And like I sort of didn't really watch it so much, but I had that impression from when I whenever I tuned into it. But by it. the time you came in, having gone through the now that having gone through the um, the the 2000 election, having gone through you know September 11th, yeah, um, the the show had essentially become its modern day equivalent yeah. to an extent. We do yeah. we operate differently, and and you know we've done. Uh, was a lot of things to improve on it here and there, but uh, but it was pretty clear what what it was about. Yeah, and was yeah. and having worked on a show that was you know maybe somewhat similar in content. What what struck you as the big differences in just your day to day, you know, what you had to write and how you had to go about it between um, that and Miller, for instance. Uh, first and then of we'll all, talk. To, then we'll talk about Conan. I don't want to talk too much about okay. the Daily Show, but but first of, first of all, slacks versus denim. Yeah, it was a huge diff. Okay, forgot about um, that. No, actually, it was it's a it's a, it was a very different style because at Dennis Miller, whether it's an assistant or a writer, everyone goes into their, their single offices, closes the door, and you have just a series of deadlines throughout the week. It's a weekly show versus a daily show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that's different is that you're all kind of like filling up a trove of jokes for the week that are going to get filtered out, but you're not doing it for that show for that day. Different sort of timeline. But also it's solitary, was what I was going to say. Yeah, right. So you spend part of your day writing monologue jokes. You spend part of the day writing the rant. Remember he had but that But there must whole... be a meeting, at, you know, in the... This is not really, like, only on Fridays. It's in a week-long job. You have deadlines. I mean, people had lunch together. It was social. But, you know, you do the work all by yourself, like, all day. And then on Friday, Dennis... But is there, there's, not, there's no meetings as you're going along to, to help focus No, what happens what is we, gonna... we would sort of... It was a combination of we would vote on jokes to winnow them down ourselves and then send the, the winnowed packed. Vote? Yeah, well, we'd sort of like write down numbers. Like we had a whole numerical. Very Da Vinci Code-esque. Um, but you're also voting on your jokes along with somebody else's jokes? Well, I think people could sort of steer away. It was like you, it was not like you were doing a yes or no. It's just like you would do a vote if you really liked a joke and you sort of, it was gentlemanly not to do your own. Right. Unless you really felt strong. You could do that a little bit, but right. you just sort of Weird. Code of honor. So, how strange. It was this a different before culture. Before Dennis sees anything. So, so we winnow it down for him just sort of a semi-final group and then we'd fax that to him in Montecito uh, near... Um, <laughs> That's where he lives. It's near Didn't he take a, like a helicopter into work every day? He took a, I think he had a car. I don't think he had a helicopter. Oh, okay. He, he had a hella boat. <laughs> hella boat. He landed down the LA he, River. He landed in the reservoir. The okay. circle. You beat me to it. I was going for a I'm reservoir. Sorry. I don't know. Don't, don't be sorry. You know, two paths, no regrets. Oh, okay. So, um, so, so very solitary. So he's not even in the office. He doesn't week. come in. He would come in on Fridays, and it was Friday was his day. We would sort of like pound the whole thing in a. And shape. when did you tape? We taped it like. Five thirty-ish, I think. We, he would come in and, on Friday. Yeah, so we'd oh, meet God. at like eleven or twelve. But he'd come in, and we'd have this sort of like you know quadro semifinal show with all the parts, that, the best of each part accounted for, but more than we needed. And he'd come through and kind of slice and dice, and he would stitch the rant together. His big rant speech. Yeah, right. He sort of stitched that together himself. Like, and he'd picked individual paragraphs that we'd written during the week. But he kind of like found the ones. Oh, that because he's working on it at home as you're faxing. Yeah, stuff but that was actually a packet of discrete jokes that were sort of stitched together into an argument. And uh, who and was the running the joint at that? Point? Uh, Eddie, Eddie Feldman, who was a very tight manager. I would say okay. a good like man, very efficient. So that's you know yeah, that's just vastly different yeah, than what you different. get into. So then you go to the Daily Show and it's collaborative every day. Do you, do you day have an idea of what you're getting into, or do you get there and you're like, holy shit, this is a different? No deal. idea. It was just a whole different thing, and, and like it's a whole different set of skills because you're. You're, um, I mean, you do write the thing yourself in the morning. Like sometimes we write our own packet and turn that in, and that gets melded into the whole, you know, 
headline or something like that. So there's a little bit of that, but yeah, and it was different back when you started. But it's also just like so much like doing it with a partner, which is a whole different process where you have to run things back and forth, and it's very labor intensive. I thought, but you know, I think that shows in the in the product. But yeah, right. But it's just like a whole different way to operate. You kind of like it feels a little bit. You feel like you're giving up a little bit of autonomy because it used to be. All yeah, your well, stuff. well, on top of the fact that you that you ha- are preparing a show for that evening every day. Right. Is uh, you, yeah. So your yeah. vibe is automatically way, way different, obviously. You know, every yeah. day was Friday there, you know. That was better, though, because then it's like if you didn't have a good night, tomorrow, tomorrow you'd get back on the horse and have a good night. Like Dennis Miller was like, it all went up to that weekly show, and then it was just so heartbreaking if you didn't get something. So now you're there, You it, it, is there an, there, there's an adjustment to... Uh, so, so Conan actually is a lot... Is that what you're asking now? Or are you asking? No, no well, I was talking. I was talking, oh, about, the, I was talking okay. about the Daily Show. Um, just, oh yes, yeah. big adjustment, and I feel like I don't know. You, How hard was that for you to, to hard, write? In, in, in it was that hard to do it. And you, you were there from the beginning, so you sort of always, always known that. But I think I found that with newer writers who start after me, that gives about I would say three to six month period of adjustment where you're really like kind of getting into the same groove, and you're sort of before that time you're just sort of pitching a lot of wild jokes all over the place aren't necessarily right for the show because you don't really understand yet what's right for the show and right. what's going to work with John more so than what work with Dennis. Well, you know, did you, I, I watch, very, did you a, watch the show? Yeah, uh, sure. But I had a, like, like Dennis has a more writerly style. Like Dennis's jokes are very, you know, his syntax is very sophisticated. Yeah, right. Big words and references and his the whole comparison thing he does. So very like elaborate verbally and John is of course like as conversational as he can be. He tries yeah. to, you know, short words. Right. So like just like shifting over from that style, like I would write some very like writerly jokes and yeah, you know. and that's a typical thing of uh, of adjusting who you're writing for. Yeah, you know, I suppose like uh, uh, you were probably familiar with the voice, but maybe it was a slightly harder adjustment coming so quickly from another show yeah. that was done so differently and had a pretty, uh, even though the content was it was the same kind of like political funny content yeah. thing, you've got a very different format. You've got a a a, a host with a very different voice mm-hmm. and a very different literally like a, a different voice but also a different way of speaking right. and so therefore a different way of you for writing and you get used to that and it's just it's hard to just drop that groove you can't yeah. move into another thing especially because of the daily show you do it so intensively with other people so it's like if I was just turning in stuff myself all day like I that would have been more difficult be, it would be, the yeah. learning curve would be steeper because I wouldn't know what the feedback was but working with other people like they sort of lead you into it so then you're there for the five and a half years you were you know, you were very well liked for good reason. You did. Uh, um, Here it comes. No, I you know I can't look you in the eye and do this. I'm looking off to the side. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm telling this to your knee. Um, you were, you were very well liked and uh, and did a very good job. And there was no. And, but you made a choice to leave. I think in in a. In a in a way to try to come back to LA. I mean, yeah. you guys wanted to come yeah. back to LA. Yeah, it was a it was a hard gig to leave because it was so. Uh, you know, intellectually stimulating. The people were great. Hours were really good. Um, Uncommon. Uncommonly good. Really good. Um, Prestigious, obviously. And it opened up a a lot of other doors to be associated with it. Um, You're telling me. Yeah. The podcast podcast (laughs) world was your... Well, you know. your oyster. You do what you gotta do. Yeah. So, um, uh, so I had been in LA for Dennis Miller and previous stuff uh, for about five years with my wife, as I mentioned before. She yeah, we know first, you got a wife Ugh, in the Canada Jeez. region. <laughs> you don't know her. Um, no, she was in LA. She was a writer producer. She, she had a lot of jobs there and had trouble finding jobs in New York. So it's good for her. And also at this point in New York, 
we had a, a nine-month-old child, and you know, little kids, as you know, not always easy in the, in the big city. Uh, it's not it, not inexpensive, right? But I suppose that's kind of everywhere. But yeah, it's, it's true. But you know, like there's convenience-wise, like LA is better for kids, more space and cars. Is it? Is it? The, <laughs> it's easier. I didn't say better. Mm-hmm. If anything, I don't know if you did. We'll go back and check well, that yeah. in the post again. The bonus episode. Look for that in the bonus episode. I sort of feel like every episode of this is a bonus episode. It really is. <laughs> yeah, that's for the way me. I pitch it. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So. Um, a lot of lifestyle reasons. It was better to move to LA. We liked it. You know, we scare. Is that what you mean? A little bit. A little okay. bit. New York is fine, but it's expensive. It's stressful. Uh, LA just we we had, we we made a good go of it before. We were, we had a lot of good community of people we were involved with. So it was easy. in New York, no, no in, in LA. LA. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Before we had because in New York you did as well. I went to a number of parties. Those, and such those at were your staged. Place. <laughs> This whole thing has been a setup for a really, really lame payoff in the oh middle of a podcast. Oh my god! It was like every one of those dinner parties I went to your house was really just a murder by death situation. Hitchcockian, <laughs> at best. Um, yeah, we had a lot of lifestyle reasons, and and also like I think six years. Like you know, you, you have a relentless drive to do to do that job, but it's a very demanding job. And after a while, you sort of I I got a little tired of the kind of things we were doing, which were just just like wading so deep into the news when it's so like such a bummer. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. I find it hard to do that. Just hard to watch them on Fox News or watch, you know. There's no way that I would pay as much attention to the news or could pay as much attention to the news if I didn't have the outlet. Yeah, yeah. If I didn't have an outlet to... Yeah, I would drive you crazy. An outlet such yeah. as that to, yes. to, like, say, okay, I'll absorb this stuff mm-hmm. as long as I can spit it out mm-hmm. every night. Right. Otherwise, I'm fucked. right. So all these factors accumulate, the lifestyle stuff, they're like getting, you know, itching for a change. And then you start, and then... And then I hear that Conan's going to move back to L.A. for the Tonight Show, and it sort of opens up the idea of that, and... So when when did, how long was Conan out here doing the Tonight Show before you joined up, or did you... No, so so they geared up for about two years to do that. Right. And, or, you know, they kept doing the old show. So were you there day one kind of thing for the... For the new show? I started right after the new show started. Right after. So they've been preparing for it, and then Jose Arroyo, who I work with on Dennis Miller, um, he was recommending me to to Mike Sweeney, the head writer over there, for a while, and then I sort of got to know some of them better, including him on the, the writer's strike picket line, so that actually had a... Including Sweeney, you mean? Yeah, Sweeney yeah. was out there, so it, was, it had sort of good networking effect. Um, yeah, that's so I got funny. To them. Yeah. And then after that, um, I applied for their... I got my job during the writer's Because strike. of this, <laughs> it led to more work. Yeah. I have a, a red t-shirt that says that. Um, so uh, so there was, he, he told me about a sketch, they have a sketch team and a monologue team, which we right. can talk about if you want. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a yeah, sketch yeah. opening, which I applied for, I did not get that, but... Um, you know, a lot because they were adding more positions for the to move from the late night to this night show. It's a bigger show and bigger staff, so they got to ask some sketch people. Um, some great people joined, like Andre Dubuchet and Todd mm-hmm. Levin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was like, then Sweeney said, uh, "You did a good job, but there are better people. But we may be able to like find one more monologue position because they were also going to beef up the monologue." Um, so I applied for that, and that's the job I got. And I started. Oh, I started, so then they said, like, just give us your, give us your, give us your, um, uh, your submission for that. That Would was you, the, that was the submission, which is like two pages of jokes, monologue jokes. So tell me about the uh, uh, tell me about the submissions for for sketch. First of all, you mentioned it already, but Conan has two groups of writers that don't right. work together. They do actually. Oh, they do. Yeah, but but are sort of separate. Well, explain it to me. You know. They have a sketch team, which is like 10 people, and a monologue team, which is five people. And um, 
the monologue team, which I'm on, um, uh, we have a very, very structured schedule. We come in the morning, we turn on a batch of jokes at 11.30, we go over them at noon, we um, turn them into Conan about 12.30, about one, we get Conan's picks from that back. So he actually reads all, every single joke he could use in the show. So we get and you some, just write as many as you can. We, it's a volume business. So we, uh, he, he, picks, <laughs> he picks some, and then we do a second batch. And Quality's we, got nothing to do with it. It's the Costco of... Um, <laughs> No, I, I've heard I've heard Fallon's even more numbers and sense than that, but um, you know you do four shows a week and there's just like so many jokes like that you have to generate. So so we we turn it we get it we have a batch from that and then we go back and we turn in more. About two o'clock we meet with them, we we narrow it down some more. Sometimes stuff from the first round didn't make it to the second round. Um, it's like The Bachelor a lot, except does he, more, does he add a rose to every just, joke that has to? No, go? but we do spend a lot of it in a hot tub with Conan. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking a different part of the bachelor. You always are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we um so basically in the end we we do three batches and we meet with Conan twice and the second meeting is this sort of end of the day powwow right before the show with the monologue writers and Conan and Andy and Jeff Ross the producer and Conan's assistant and he's getting his hair and makeup done at the same time, um just riffing like crazy. It's so <laughs> unrelated to the show. Right. He's just in. I think he's warming. He's doing his warm up basically. He's yeah, just right. taking shots at everybody in the room. It's his. But Gauntlet. this is when you're meeting with him with the this final is like This month. is from 3.45 to 4.30 every day. He's warming up on everybody. He's also like getting the final monologue joke selections. They're viewing stuff on the monitor as to, post, as to what's going to go on the show. They're talking about the act structure, stuff like that. It's all getting decided. And then he goes out at 4.35 and does it. Um, so there's the monologue writers have a very set schedule of deadlines and batches and meetings. Um, and then the, the sketch people have a more kind of, it's actually probably more like the Daily Show. They have some different ad hoc meetings during the day, but it's like the Daily Show for something that you you're you're not necessarily working on for that day. Yeah, it could be. It, it's it's about it's a little bit less, but it, it's usually for that day. Usually for that day or the next day. There's not a lot of like long term things. All ten people working on something for that it's, day. You'd be surprised how it sort of divvies up because people there's all different pieces of the process, and sometimes people are like. Sometimes they have a desk piece and a, and a sketch person is working. I guess on that. so. Once they pick what it's going to be, then you can divvy up what's going to go on. Because I'm, I, I have in my head, uh, you know, the equivalent of our field pieces, which, right? You know, but uh, um, but then I also have in my head the equivalent of like a a, a, a back in black or Larry Wilmore or yeah. you know or John Hodgman, very, take where a lot of work. we work on those for uh, several you know, days. Yeah, several days. Well, some things take several days. I shouldn't say that, but it's a lot bigger sample, and a few of them make the cut. So like. You have ten people doing it because you have like, uh, you know, you have six people going off and working on stuff, and two or three of those will make it into the show. It's like so then. The, so the so sketch guys have a very like kind of like they they work on a variety of rotating assignments, and sometimes it's who's available. Sometimes it's just like there's beats for pieces. I mean, joke beats like like we do a bit called Audience Craigslist where Conan pretends that he's running a Craigslist service, and they they isolate people in the audience who they found beforehand, and they write some joke wanted. You know, someone to join me in oh, my right, imaginary right. garage band. And they just under the They find a dude third. with a beard and like a hipster hat. It's like wanted four people to join me in my imaginary garage band <laughs> in my head. You know, just like <laughs> sort of based on their appearance. And it, it's very funny. And um, But like you need a lot of those people to think of them. And for some reason, like I can't wrap my head around those. Like I can write a lot of kinds of jokes, but like I can't think in that mode that those guys have that kind of very surreal... You know, the, the Conan voice, like that kind of weird, are the, twisted... Are the, gr- are the groups... 
but you say you work together. Like, yeah, we have do, a we have a big pitch meeting every day at the end of the after the show tapes, where everybody the monologue writers are part of it, and we're expected to pitch pitching. We we pitch sketch, sketch ideas. ideas. Too. Um, I think our hit rate is so much lower. Like you know, sometimes. Well, yeah, we, I would imagine, right? I mean, sometimes we get something in, you know. Um, and the best is when, like when you have an idea and some other sketch guy where he has to go actually produce <laughs> produce it, to right? Taking advantage. Um, so we pitch that stuff, but you know we contribute. And then like you know when we have a tough monologue day, they, they kick in some jokes too. So it's a little bit porous. But basically, they're in a very different sort of uh, schedule that kind of changes from day to day. And mine's very regimented. And so are you? So you get in there at a certain time and you leave at a certain time. In between nine and ten, and then, um, but there's not like a morning meeting like at the Daily Show. It's uh-huh. like you come in and you just you, you just, just start just, writing jokes. You're responsible for turning in a big batch of jokes at like eleven thirty, so that's like the first thing you sort of are aiming for in the day. So that's uh-huh. whatever um, time you need to do. That. But it's literally the setup and punchline, cla- relatively classic monologue jokes. It's he's very like yeah he's very tra- traditional, and we also like come up think of joke premises from the news we we send to each other to help each other out. So there's a little bit of that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know it's just it's a joke machine thing but I, I enjoy that like I love right. it um, I, th- I feel like I could do that you'd be good at it I think I always thought I would be actually good at that but, you know, he has a different... but, that, but that's, that's how I got my start doing. well you have to, you have to be Mark. very prolific in, in both jobs but just like a different kind of you know just like a piecemeal and you can do different topics though which is cool too like it doesn't have to be so right yeah you can you can crazy you, stories you, you can and go celebrity. ahead and do your Nicki Minaj jokes and it might get on actually yeah nothing but yeah pretty much right you have a separate Nicki Minaj group. I don't call you? my Minaj a trois. Oh, there's just three writers. Jo- no, there's two. There's two of us. Oh, I don't get it. It throws the federales off. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps <them> guessing. <laughs> how, have, how have I never heard the phrase <laughs> Nicki Minaj a trois? I don't well, understand. It's trending right now on Twitter. So. Oh, <laughs> almost immediately, even like a month before this airs. <laughs> yes, or, or two months or whatever. That's how, that's how important it is. <laughs> Well, I gotta, I gotta tweet Nicki Minaj at twice. <laughs> so look for that. <laughs> Rob Riggle, I think, was doing like maybe a movie with Ashton Kutcher. Doing, he was doing something like a commercial or something right. with Ashton Kutcher way long ago, when you know, Kutcher was already big on yeah. Twitter and he was he was going hard into that yeah. and so this was very early before kind of everybody was doing it and Riggle opens up a thing and and Kutcher's you know at, you know follow Fridays yeah and, yeah and fucking he shoots up to half Amazing. a million overnight not a surprise yeah. yeah whereas I really literally like you know you get an email that says yes. you have new followers right I'm like oh boy right <laughs> Just it is the whole thing is such a sick like counting people mechanism like well yeah I've kind, kind I feel of, like yeah. morphine just like morphine drips like yeah I kind I kind of enjoy though that is that that is dripping in and I literally yeah. I kind of no, I do look and see who it is it has an addictive quality to it yeah yeah um, and there was that one time did I tell you that the uh, that Jay Leno f- followed me for like a day really I don't know what happened but I looked and it was yeah. the, it was the actual legit thing wow and. I immediately started tweeting, like, um, uh, "Hey, I've got uh, um, a carburetor for, you know, for a 1929 <laughs> Cobra." And so the trap was so set. and so. Uh, any takers? I'm looking at you at Jay Leno. Like, like so. I just I kept I would Baby go up. through and just look up like the most obscure, ridiculous old cars and just think of parts uh. for them and just offer them up on. You created a whole secondary market, from LA right. car connoisseurs. Uh, but I never got any bites. Yeah. 
Um, so you are at Conan. Then you start off there. Did, was it? Uh, uh, was it? Was that a relatively easy transition? That was easier, I think, because uh, you know, a I had a lot more experience, so I could sort of. And you do so many kinds of things at the Daily Show that you have to shift gears all the time. So I think it's just shifting. Well, when you moved there, though, they they were already on. They they were I already moved on. I moved a few weeks into the show's okay. debut, but I was already writing from home. Okay. Them. So it was easier to do. I, I don't think I was as good at first. I did the same kind of thing. You have to adjust to like what Conan likes and what his voice is. But you know, I I get some jokes on and to go from working with other people who have a totally different voice to just going back to writing your own jokes, at least like, you know, at least you have a shot of just kind of like, if you get something on now and then, you can see that you're in the ballpark and you just try to get closer to that ballpark. Right. It's, it's just it's just an easier thing to do is to go back to writing yourself versus trying to I, fit into a culture. Um, but that that almost seems like, it's it's funny because like at, at, the, at the Daily Show, you know, we, we, we decide what we're going to write. We take our assignments. We go off and write them. Sometimes you work on something that doesn't even see the light of day at all, um, even though you might rewrite it a couple of times, mm-hmm. uh, just because we're too crowded that day and we're going to do these two things instead of, the, and we're working on four things. So right away you know, like, one of them's going to get picked and one of them isn't. You, it's like the Hunger Games. It's a, it, there is a little bit. And you and uh, in that um, every day, two people fall in love <laughs> and come out of there right. victorious. Uh, which is nice, so it's a good vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, also, very hungry. But uh, I don't think that has anything. To, I think it's a different sort of. Oh. Yeah, we're, yeah. Mike. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't give away the theme. Well, the the the. <laughs> what I'm getting around to is that we will work on stuff that, uh, uh, and you work on it. You, you, you we discuss it. We go work on it. We hand in a script. Then we get our feedback. We work on the script. We work on the rewrite. You hand it in. It might get changed without you. Um, you there's like gangs that go into it where we like throw it out to the whole group to fill in a couple of blanks. Goes down to rehearsal, and and then it might and it kind of gets changed in between that and then in between rehearsal and the show it gets changed again. And a lot of times it's sort of it can be sort of unrecognizable to you and you can't it's it, it's become increasingly hard to look at the daily show and say yeah that's mine that's mine that's mine you can always say it you right 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 but but it's uh um, yeah you know at, at at the writer's level where at, but but there's a but that's not what it's about right. you you have to get comfortable with that and it's not that's not a big deal the big deal is that you're helping get to that point that we get to yeah. and and that you just do it's your communist. best on everything and then yeah yeah right yeah it's a communist organization right. you can quote me on that right um, and my Anne Randy itself was more like you want to have your but I do but I do remember a time on the show when you could be more like yes. that was my joke that was my joke that was my joke and 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 there there's always a certain sense of pride in that and so to make that that was that's been one of that's been a very difficult adjustment is to not be able to do that and yet still take pride in what you do right um that that, that increased a lot while i was there so that sort of yeah right sort of accelerated my process right 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 they um and and but now when you're writing monologue jokes in particular that probably don't get necessarily changed that much you can literally say well that was my joke that was my joke and so that's a nice thing but also seems like does it add a little bit of pressure in that like you can keep a literal count but it's 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 okay, I think, because I think it. I think there's just five of us, and we're all like a, you know, um, 
we all sort of get stuff in, and one day you have a few, and one day you have nothing. Is Laurie Kilmartin in monologue? Yes. Play? Okay. Yeah. So I think it sort of ebbs and flows, and like, I you know I would say there's like several things during a week that I can point to, and I feel like it's it's sort of if you add up how many jokes everybody's contributing and how many slots there are, like I think, you know, I more or less always fall within the range of what my percentage of the take is, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So that I mean, like, yes, it, it, I think I would say there's a more pressure, and then I have like. I feel worse than I might have after a daily show day where it was just like, you know, you saw your stuff worked out organically. So I feel bad if I had stuff that made it to the end and got cut for some reason or I had a tough day of throwing what I thought were great jokes out and not having them being chosen. Like, you know, it's that sort of more like minute joke by joke frustrations as opposed to like, you know, at the end of the day, do I feel, how do I feel And then you just have to crank out, like you can't reuse, you crank them out new every day. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can revisit an idea if it... It's a new hook for so it. So do you use your jokes for Twitter? A few of them, uh, which I really liked, uh, and maybe more political, more, more pointed than Conan likes to do, which is not very pointed, mm-hmm. or maybe just be a little sillier, or just have a conversational feel. Like, if they meet all these criteria, sometimes I'll do them on tw- Twitter. But you guys are free to do that. Like, if like yeah. if, like if, like if, if, if Sweeney reads your Twitter and sees a joke that he read no, 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 on the I, show, I, he's I, not going to go like, I what the hell is permission. this? Ask for permission. I think I think they've decided it's good for the show to have that kind of because a lot of the yeah. Conan I mean, writers, why not? Right? If you know they're yeah. not gonna, you're not gonna. Conan writers, many of them have active, very active Twitter accounts. So yeah, yeah, they do. I think they think it just spreads the. Do you you don't. I guess you, we well, also you, use. You do. You're pretty active. Yeah, I'm pretty active. At, is it what is the at? I, I, you have the apocalypse now. It's book apocalypse cover. how. Apocalypse That's the how. book. The, it's named after my my first book, which thanks for bringing up. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't know that. No, Tell me about this. I did not know this. that. Um, I have a book called Apocalypse How. Which is very, very funny. It's okay. Uh, I actually worked on it. That's what I meant. What did I say? Yeah. You said meh. Oh, that's what I meant. That's yeah. right. Yeah. My lips said meh, but my throat said meh. Yeah. Well, you're quite a salesman on your book. I know. Um, so it's 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 the only feel-good apocalypse guy that you'll you'll ever read. Oh, here it, comes the sale. Here yeah. comes the pitch. Hey, I'm done. You've ne- I, Let me guess. I've you've never, never said that line before. Never said it. <laughs> <laughs> Critics are calling it. Yeah. Non-stop thrill ride. I bet. I bet uh, so my Twitter account is also at Apocalypse How because I originally started there to promote it. Wouldn't it be kind of a funny like blurb on your book to say critics are calling it a non nonstop thrill yeah. ride and just have an asterisk next to it and yes. it's just like you know uh, the, uh, the, a roller coaster of great adventures. <laughs> yeah, or French Connection. Yeah. yeah. Why did what did you think I was talking about? It's yeah. on the it's on the back of my book. I I agree with them about yeah. the French Connection. It's a great book movie. Both. Yeah. Well, the book was nice. <laughs> it was nice. That's what you want. Your the car author. chase wasn't quite as exciting to read right. as it was Then they drove some more. Oh, yeah. Faster on one side than the other. Um, apocalypse, uh, uh, apocalypse How. Yeah. So I do use it sometimes when I feel like a, jo- a joke was unjust. But is it at Apocalypse yeah. How? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're so hung up on punctuation. Oh, I no, it's not that. It's I want to get it right. I want for you know. Um, so some it. some jokes and then just other like whimsical thoughts and I do more political things. Like the, the itch I used to scratch at the Daily Show is gone. I can't really do that with Conan because right. it's not so political. So when I feel outraged about something like you said, an outlet is Twitter for me sometimes. Right, right. It's hard for me to like keep up on a very regular basis on Twitter because. I can't really do because everything can't be like a total fluff or just off the wall ridiculous you know observational kind of joke right and you know or I can't think of those all day long when while I'm thinking of stuff content for the show mm-hmm. and I can't do any of the jokes that I think of for the show because they're for so the show because I don't know what's going to end up I can't do that during the day and then pitch that stuff at, at, yeah. at I just can't do it 
but I yeah. like doing it because it's good. It's still good practice just writing. I think so. It's so interesting to see how things, what reaction they get. So that's pretty much it on the on the Conan thing. <laughs> how yeah. I mean, how the day goes. I mean, that's it. And then you just repeat. Yeah, well, so we have three, it's like Daily Show, we have four days of show, Monday through Thursday, and Friday's a prep day, so a little bit more, like, meetings here and there, and sometimes we don't see him on a Friday the way you see John on, on And so Friday. when do you, when do you leave at night? Um, that pitch meeting I mentioned is usually over about 7 or 7.30, so. So it's after the taping? It's after the taping, so it's a, it's a longer day than Daily Show, I would right. say, um, but a little bit more predictable, like that. Right, which is nice, and then but no work on Saturday and Sunday. No. Yeah, but you can get a you can get a jump. Do you uh, do you well, ever write like a bunch of monologue jokes over the weekend? No, or? it's not necessarily. I mean, it's also not good because it's like he wants the freshest stuff. I think. Sure. Yeah. And also, like I am with bread. <laughs> You've always been a contrarian on bread. Well, I mean, don't get me started. Right. How much time do we have? Really? <laughs> Getting you stopped is another problem. Uh. Um. So yeah, it's just it's just um. It just it takes a little bit longer, and you know I think the Daily Show was sort of more organizationally maybe more tightly run because it produced a very complicated show on a set schedule. And Conan kind of like if the piece doesn't work one day, they will put it on the next day, or the monologue kind of changes throughout the day. So it's more like everything fits into a formula. So it can be you know so we take more time doing crazy ideas maybe than the Daily Show would. And the I, th- I think I asked you this. Um, earlier, but I don't know if we got. The, I, I did. I, we didn't get around to the answer, probably because I interrupted you and said something stupid, uh, which I have to learn not to do quite as much. Then again, maybe that's my that's my thing. I think that's your hook. Yeah, my <laughs> hook. Oh, you mean that guy that doesn't let his guests talk? Yeah, yeah he's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, about the uh, about the. Um, you talked about submitting, but you didn't say what the actual submission was. You, I guess for the monologue, it was just two pages to of Conan jokes. you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But pa- would that have been the case? Was it only two pages of jokes for you because because they already knew you from your sketch yeah, submission? Like, or, or would you normally have to and do more than that? And personally, and also I had the, ref, the reference from Like Jose. somebody coming in from scratch to do... to, to um, See, I don't know, because I have Jose on the inside, like, who I've worked with, who can give me a good reference for that reason. Right. Um, and then I've met Sweeney and the other writers a couple of times. So we had sort of a, you know, we know each other. And that's part of it. It's like sometimes they bring you through a whole round of meetings and stuff to make sure not, you're not a serial killer sort of thing. Right. But I'm talking about before, before that. So I'm saying I, those stages kind of happen at different places kind of naturally. And then sort of just turning in those jokes was the last phase of that. Normally, Whereas, wouldn't that be kind of the first phase? Right, exactly. You'd send in that, you know, through your agent or a reference, and then and they liked you, they'd meet you. Right, and and like do jokes. you have any idea if there is a certain number of jokes or a certain number of pages of jokes that they like to see in a submission? I think that's probably the standard. Is it was about two pages or twenty jokes, something like that. Okay, and then for the sketch, what did you do? So sketch was also was like sort of two pages, but you would do. You would pitch ideas for a one-off bits he could do or recurring bits. Did you do like a double space, really, really, uh, yeah. really, really the margins big margins? were like 38 point <laughs> on each side. At the end of it, I said, uh, this has been a, p- a packet of submissions for sketches. <laughs> the following is my submission to the Conan show. If you want to know how the sketch ends, you'll have to read the book. So I, I patted it out, definitely. Webster's but. Dictionary defines Conan as... <laughs> 
How do kids? How do kids fluff out their assignments before Webster's Dictionary? I, I don't know. The, the they, Puritan they Book of Words. Yeah. <laughs> King, King James, James Bible. Bible. <laughs> See, that's what. That's we what still I like. got it. We still, we still, or as DJ said to me in our in our, in our podcast, you still lack it. <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah, so it's it's like that. It's about that many, you know. So it's probably like fifteen, let's say, ideas in paragraph form. You pitch it a bit. You pitch a couple of beats of how that would work out in examples, and then you know you do some remote ideas. You you want to pitch some ideas for a desk piece that they could refill, which is like the gold standard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find one yeah, of those that, right, right. that lasts, like top ten list or right. You know, like the Craigslist thing I mentioned, um, or Conan brought back this celebrity survey thing from. Um, but most of the things he had on the Tonight Show were NBC's intellectual property, so it was kind of like there was a lot of like openness to, to new ideas we had to fill up a new show sort of briefly because i you know i don't want you to like uh, uh feel like you have to discuss it too much but i would like to get your vibe on the whole losing the tonight show and then going on to the other show and that gap and what was going on during during that uh in brief yeah um you you can stick to like what you i'm not asking you to say what like conan oh, i have I, some I, talking I, points yeah 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 card. yeah but i, I no, have but, them on a note card but uh, uh let let the let the let the listeners in on a, a little behind the scenes uh, feeling but um, that was like in at the show and then for you personally yeah. so the highlights were that it came very suddenly like we the only thing was that like in december of that year jay leno had given an, an interview to i think like broadcast and cable like I only get the swimsuit issue. Yeah, okay. Yeah, something I don't normally read, but like he gave some very like off the radar interview where he they asked him, um, you know, he had this ten o'clock show that came on. Uh-huh. You know, they asked him, would you take the Tonight Show at eleven thirty back if you could? And he's like, yeah, sure. You know, he could have not. He said other things than that. Uh huh. Like and so that was felt and noticed by myself. But he doesn't do a lot of interviews, so you know, you know it was no, just a rookie mistake. He's, he's Salinger esque. Yeah, <laughs> reclusive. Right. I like to define things after I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so he, uh, you know, so that was a little bit like a shark in the water, but like, you know, there was no, we didn't he- hear how NBC felt about it. Uh, um, we didn't have any sense of, you know, we knew the ratings were not great, but we also knew that he, you know, given Leno a long time, so we figured there'd be some time to correct that. So it was like a two week process where it all just suddenly, there was a, there was my the writer's assistant called us in and said, you should see what's on TMZ. And that's never for a good reason. Yeah, <laughs> no. no. Unless it's like a really good nip. Really, song. what's what's that guy drinking out of a giant, a giant? Giant what of? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it's the TMZ thing was that sort of rumor, and it wasn't like originally it wasn't right. It was like Leno's gonna and Conan are gonna go off the air, or you know, there's some kind of thing that, that got changed later on during the day. But it was something like that that suggested that. Well, they, they say it was Leno getting fired. So like, then there were like ideas in that article about like, is he gonna try to take it back to the Tonight Show? And they started talking about that interview from before so but that'll happen like within like the space of a few hours and then suddenly like Conan uh, that op-ed he wrote in the New York Times you might remember uh-huh, was yeah. sort of his like you know dick declaration of independence from NBC like uh, he didn't tell us about that so like like we had this big meeting and we were all just he was going to sort of give everyone a pep talk and like we're gonna all going to be okay I'll take care of everybody and like we're all like picking that up on our iPhones and stuff like that so it's this whole like We've just found out what he's sort of going to tell us. So it was right. very, like, very, like, uncertainty, day full of uncertainty. And then those, sort of once that became established, it was a great ride because, like, he was so, like, devil my care. 
and he had he had two weeks contractually more of shows to do. Right when that and where he could he's do like bringing he out like Maseratis for no reason. Yes, at like all, just, and just use spending as much, as of the much money as, as he possibly could. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and the ratings were were enormous. Like everybody was watching those shows, and so like um, and like for that week, actually, like I think the monologue jokes were especially fun because you could just like take these shots right into me saying about mm-hmm. Conan's predicament. Yeah, such they a, did a lot of that, a pure right? like target. Like it was just a good thing to do. Um, and then also like the sketch stuff was fun to do because it was so like freewheeling. Like I, I actually pitched something that they used. It'd be used, interesting which was, to go back and you know find those. Are those available to watch? I don't know actually. I wonder if they've taken them down or yeah, right. You know. But uh, I remember watching them. I mean, I think that, it was just like like it was like, a like, like, a, like a lot of other people like them, because the ratings went up. Like I, yeah. I was like, I want to see what's going on here. <laughs> so, but it was good for everybody. I think I think like the monologue writers had more stuff in the show. Like suddenly because everybody was sort of throwing in together we were all meeting a lot we were all terrified um so i pitched the thing about conan putting the show on craigslist and like you know listing it you know one talk show generally used (laughs) (laughs) um so that was fun and then it was suddenly not fun it was suddenly over like but then the great thing during that was just that like suddenly there was this abundance of fan support which um i mean i imagine if anything happened in the daily show well he did his tour and stuff but it was all before that that was a thought like like we were very surprised by it like like there was a really rainy day which in LA is like nobody goes out but there was like hundreds of people who got at Universal like with signs like these Coco fans who were just rapidly enthusiastic and it was like this great you felt like you know loved and supported but now you're not working yeah so like there, I'm seeing that happen during that two weeks it was right. very tumultuous and then suddenly we're not working and yes you're kind of like those people were very supportive on Twitter and would come out to our comedy shows that we were doing and stuff but, you know, it was very uncertain, and we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know it was going to be a new show. Were you in on the comedy shows? We um, we all sort of helped him brainstorm stuff for the tour. Uh-huh. Um, and then he went off, and he was, like, on this, like, odyssey. We didn't really hear from him. And you and, didn't know whether or not the Conan Yeah, they signed this deal with this TBS, like, several months later, so we didn't hear anything. We kept hearing about Fox and how that was not going to happen. It was so hard because he couldn't clear enough markets right. and, you know, all this stuff. So, But that was the best idea, and then suddenly it was TBS. So everyone was surprised about that. And then we didn't know for a few more months if we were going to be all asked back. So it was a few months before you find out about TBS and a few months after yes. that before so a lot you of know whether or not stuff. you had the job. Yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff happening. Boy. Uh, but, you know, it was... And, you know, and then, like, about a month before they started gearing up for the new show, like, we all got called in to, like, by the Writers Guild to say, like, we got, we, we're negotiating a contract for you with this show. Like, oh, wait, am I hired? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. They want me back? Like, um, so fortunately that... So you hear from the... The guild first, yeah. But did you know when they mentioned that that you had the job, or you? you well, it was pretty close after. I don't know if it was. Okay. Like, it was probably the same day. Like it was. I think it was the first mention, though. I think. Well, that's quite relieving. Day. And then, and then, um, uh, so that so so then you go back and you start at the um, at the TBS, and do you find the show to be relatively similar in the process? It's no, I mean, the one thing is that, like I said, it was like an open trough because, like, we couldn't just take all the desk pieces and bits from, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, right, 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 right. We did just think of new bits and also, like, that's like intellectual property and you couldn't use it on the new. Yeah, but, you know, I think it's good creatively that you go back to that stuff. So, and then it's also like, are we going to just be like this kind of, how do we like carry some of that anarchic spirit that we had during like the sort of period when we were these folk heroes? Yeah. Buccaneering. Yeah. Uh, so like you know like are we gonna like reinvent the talk show but Conan's not really the reinvent the talk show type he just wants to like be crazy within like the parameters of Uh it so it's still sort of a traditional show in the end but like there's all kinds of just like we'll try anything we'll try crazy things 
um, we're running sample monologues to sort of like get the juices flowing and to like kind of like try out the show on its feet. Then we're bringing in test audiences soon and we're trying right. all that stuff. Right. And now you're back into a groove. Yeah, the ratings are better. Um, TVS seems happy with this, and they keep they've renewed us through like 2014, the spring of 2014. And so your di- but your day as a writer on the show is similar to how it was. The, yeah, it's a pretty similar style. Show. The only thing is that now we do four shows instead of five on the oh, okay. show, and that was really hard. That fifth show was right. just like you're just like exhausted yeah. creatively at that point. So it's good to have four. Four is a good number. So it it is pretty much that same kind of like structured schedule, I think, which is which I like. I like knowing. What happens in my day? Well, I can't think of anything else to talk about. <laughs> and um, that means and I so win. there must be... <laughs> <laughs> you won the Hunger Games. Yeah. The comedy Hunger Games. But that was uh, that was great. Uh, that was uh, uh, that that was a lot of stuff that uh, I I didn't know, and uh, um, now I do, and so I can start working there. You know, anytime I want. That's you passed the, the first stage. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. I just have to hand in two pages of monologue jokes and prove I'm not a fucking was, maniac. This is all just a sting to get that information. Yeah, yeah, There's right. There's no podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this thing is, this mic is hollow. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's just, full of chocolate. Well, it's just, again, beats me to it. Damn it with Cutner. Damn you. So glad that you're not around you're, anymore. You're, you're set back by the smoggy LA. Uh, I was so you're at a training just, disadvantage. I was going to let you finish whatever silly joke you were going to tell. I was going to go right for the chocolate microphone. Your topper was the middler. That was going to that was going to be the treat afterwards. Yes, right. this is all a ruse, but we get to share this chocolate microphone. Next time. Oh, it has so next much Next time, sting mark now. my words. Mars again. Mars. I don't know if we made it better or not right there. Uh, Rob Cutner, um, thank you very much for uh, uh, coming on the writer's block. Um, at Apocalypse How, watch oh. that shoot up. <laughs> <laughs> Get on while you can, people. Bandwagon. Right. Yeah, make it happen. Ground be, floor. Be a part of it. <laughs> I don't know, wait, is it bandwagon or ground floor? Wait, it's not so much a following as, as a sales opportunity. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm so certain that's not a word outside of the advertising world. Right. But Trend, it's a trending. great word in there. Trending. Is it really? <laughs> is that a thing? Hashtag sales opportunity. <laughs> Uh, thanks for coming. Say goodnight, Rob. Goodnight. Oh, you fucked it up. I know. You're supposed to say goodnight, Rob. I can't do it. Why not? You wanted to, but you couldn't? I couldn't. You turned it up for one second. Less is less. Is less. <laughs> um, All right. So we're good? Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> so we're out of We are. I don't, I don't, I don't, you less. fill in the blank. <laughs> well, it's going to be a rough edit. Uh, that's right. It's official. Episode 18 is in the bag. Thanks to Rob Kuttner for sharing his innermost feelings and then sitting down and taping the podcast with me. Boom! As usual, I also want to thank webmaster extraordinaire David Klatt, at BN Klatt, with a K and two Ps, and musical director and sound engineer Pete Miser, at Pete Miser, M-I-S-E-R, and check out his amazing music at PeteMiser.com. This dude's the shit. We're back on July 3rd with Scott Jacobson, writer for the hilarious Bob's Burgers. Set your alarms for that one. This week's archive suggestion was mentioned earlier on this show. We're going deep to episode three with John Vines, writer for Jimmy Kimmel Live. He's an extraordinary guy with extremely interesting and useful insight into comedy writing. Check that out at writersblogpodcast.com. I'm J.R. Havlin. This is Writers Blog Podcast. Thanks for listening. Say goodnight, blockheads.